0: This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.
1: Next on Plains FM, host Tina daken luke interviews inspiring women on This Is Who We Are. Welcome, I'm Tina Dakem-Luke and this is Who We Are. Inclusive, gender diverse environments with more women in the C-suite are linked to greater innovation, healthier balance sheets and much more. Women leaders are seeking a different culture of work. They are more likely to leave their jobs because of the broken rung at the first step up to the management level. Women leaders want to advance but they face stronger headwinds often than men. Now, Companies are having to face internal belittling microaggressions, employee wellbeing, inclusion, flexibility, and DEI. Often overworked and underrecognised, many women experience bias on gender, race, sexual orientation, disabilities, and compounded, that can be a lot. Choice is critical, and remote work, not without its own sort of issues, can be appealing to limit microaggressions and foster high levels of psychological safety. Women in the workplace, past, present and future, have been forefront in my mind as I produce conferences on the future of office and work. We're at a point where all is up for review and how and where work in general is done is being reimagined. Finding women in C-suite roles to complete a DEIB focus in my programmes has shown me we still have some ground to make up to achieve gender, let alone cultural diversity, on boards and in C-suite roles. Today, I am lucky enough to chat with Bianca Lemon about women in STEM transitioning into business, she has her own story about that, mentoring, and her doctoral studies, which happen to align with my conference theme. She has already introduced me to being aware of my posture, blink rate and breathing while I'm back-to-back virtual meetings because it helps to minimise the all-too-familiar Zoom fatigue. And I can't wait to dive deeper into all things women in the workplace. So grab a drink, pull up a chair, get comfy, and I will introduce her after this song.
2: Next to use officer, useless. Down to your buns. And before I knew I had shiny skin and I felt easy and clean like him. I thought this one knows better than I do. A triangle trying to squeeze through a circle. close to home. Doesn't that make you see the way things could have gone? Smelled like sugar and spoke like the scene She told me don't trust them, trust me Then she pulled in my stitches one by one Moved in my insides, clicking a tongue And said these will all have to come undone A triangle trying to squeeze through a circle She tried to blunt me so I'd fit Doesn't that sound familiar, to her. Doesn't that make you shiver? Just in time, although my old self was hard to find. You can bathe me in your finest wine, but I'll never give you mine. Cause I'm a little bit tired of fearing that I'll be the bad fruit nobody buys. Tell me, did you think we'd all dream the same? Doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that hit you close to home? Doesn't that make you shiver the way things could have gone? And doesn't it feel peculiar when everyone wants a little more so that I do remember to never go that far?
1: Hi Bianca, love the song. Welcome to this moment in time and I'm so thrilled to be able to chat deeper on all topics women and workplace with you. How are you today?
0: Yeah good thank you, thanks so much for having me today.
1: Now, I was firstly fascinated, you know, part of uh, my job role is that I cyberstalk people on LinkedIn. And when I came across you, and I could see that you had a STEM background, but you had ended up in in quite a business management role, I found that quite interesting. Could you explain a little bit to us about what led you into that different path?
0: Yeah, so I actually started in an engineering role, and, you know, uh, funnily enough, I came from an all-girls Catholic school prior to starting my degree. So straight from high school and then um, doing a, a Bachelor of Industrial Design at the School of Engineering, I was then forced into this world of being the only woman in a group of about 250 people doing that similar degree. So uh, very early on, I found my feet in understanding how things work in, in that type of environment and uh, quickly after doing that degree, I, I moved into a a role that uh, afforded me to then work more into that business area. So working for a uh, company called Bosco Storage Solution really opened my eyes in terms of the sales and business side of um, businesses. I then uh, worked my way into another organisation called Nisbet's uh, Catering Equipment, where I was their head of sales and really leading quite a large group of people in terms of uh, business strategy and obviously growing that uh, that business to where it is today one of the largest catering equipment businesses that we have in Australia uh, what was really interesting in that was uh doing the my master's of uh, business administration really opened my eyes in terms of the things that I already knew and it really just gave me that confidence to really understand uh you know what ways to to direct that business now, my interest and passion has always been around business performance outcomes and how we can maximise that. Uh, and so I'm studying a doctorate of business administration degree at the moment and really understanding what is the new normal and how does that look like, I guess, in a more remote setting. So, so there's a lot of interesting parts to what we saw through COVID 19. And I do think businesses are moving and evolving. Um, to a, a very different platform. So I do think that it's really exciting to be a part of that research.
1: And did that help you decide um, on the direction for your research? And what model are you particularly following with that?
0: Yes, so the the research topic that I'm looking at is the, implement, the implementation of remote work on job performance on a global sales environment. So what I'm doing is adapting a job demand resource theory to that. Now, job demand resource theory, uh, if I was just to break this down in layman's terms, if you look at high demand and just think about a day where we've had, um, you know, work piled up, we might have a lot of deadlines just about to hit us, that workload can feel significant just for that day. You you tend to finish the day off feeling really tired and flat. Um, And what we do is we go home, uh, we replenish our resources, and we come back and hopefully we feel a little bit better. Now, in some cases, when job demands are high and almost ongoing, so it might be that our job demands are high both at work and at home, this compounds our feelings of stress and burnout. So whenever we hear employees talk about, hey, I feel really burnt out, it's likely that they're not replenishing their resources. So that means that their work is not affording them to uh, to really get back on their feet and replenish and kind of reset. Um, so I'm looking at that as as one part. Now, when you apply that to a remote working environment, what's really interesting is that we don't have the same social factors, workload, um, you know, um, discussions with other people. We don't have the same organisational factors. And you touched on before that psychological contract and psychological psychological safety that you normally have in a kind of face-to-face environment. So I'm really trying to articulate how that transfers to a remote setting. Um, and then I guess the opposite to that is the uh, is resources. So when we're in uh when we feel like we've got high resource, that means that we've got strong uh, psychological safety, that we have, you know, the, the the uh the right physical settings, that we have the right social supports. That's when we tend to be much more motivated. So again, trying to apply that theory and that framework to a remote setting is really interesting because some of the things that we, you know, had taken for granted. One of the common things that we talk about is that water cooler conversation where I can say, "Oh, hey Tina, how did you find that meeting?" and we can have that kind of brief discussion. But it might make me just feel a little bit better that someone was on the same page.
1: Absolutely. We no longer
0: have them <laughs> in remote settings, so. It's interesting just to see how we evolve from that um, from that physical setting to that remote setting and how that impacts individuals.
1: And under that framework, how do you view resilience? What does that look like?
0: And it's a really interesting one because it does actually come down to the person's personality profile. So we know that there are extroverted and introverted people, and extroverted people tend to take a lot of their um, kind of energy from being around other people or from that interaction, uh, that face-to-face interaction and that social part, while introvert people do tend to replenish being more isolated in, and in a more remote setting would actually work in, in a better way in that way. So I find that whilst resilience can be measured in many ways, it, the personality profile really um, does dictate if whether or not someone is designed to work in a remote setting versus not. So um, so the studies also show that someone's level of resilience, um, and also family support, obviously being from uh, being in a working from home environment, certainly does have uh, an impact in terms of you know how well you can replenish those resources.
1: So with that information and data that you're finding, would that be encouraging managers to look at more personalised ways to support getting the best sort of performance but also um, wellbeing initiatives around each each uh, worker?
0: Yeah, so the data is still quite preliminary. We have just come out of COVID and, you know, I think COVID forced everyone to work in this type of setting, so um, in a remote setting. So for for us and for the research anyway, it's still emerging and we're still deciding, well, what is the best method? And it's not to say that we want to disqualify anyone that fits a certain profile from being able to work from home, but more so, how do we adapt the technology to really fit uh, you know, every different type of person and what their preferences are? So um, my, my research is really trying to understand, well, this is going to be the new platform and the new normal. So what can businesses do to really optimise, you know, um, job performance outcomes with the various type of people that we are working with? So what we don't want to do is start to exclude, you know, one group from another because of their personality profile. It does then start to tap on um, risks around discrimination. So we would really need to be conscious of that.
1: Are you able to explain uh, to the audience uh, what positive discrimination is?
0: Yeah, I was actually just about to touch on that actually. Um, So positive discrimination is, you know, we are seeing the the world evolve into a more inclusive environment. In particular, businesses are looking to diversify their executive and management teams. And this means things like, you know, bringing in uh, women in the workforce, looking at, um, uh, you know, someone's ethnic uh, background to then create more diversity, It might be their religious beliefs, it might be their um, sexual preference. These things are starting to emerge in in many cases, and in particular in a lot of large corporate accounts um, and large corporate organisations. So positive discrimination is actually where you are potentially a woman in the workforce looking to grow yourself as a leader, It is likely that, you know, if those businesses have an appetite to bring in more women in the workforce that you will just get the job based on the fact that you are a woman. Now, we can look at that and say, well, that doesn't seem fair, especially if I'm of the opposite gender, if I'm working just as hard. Um, And that is a very debatable topic at the moment. Now, women have the opportunity to leverage off um, positive discrimination. Now, I don't think, though, that that is what we're trying to achieve in the workforce. We just want to be recognised for the hard work that we do. Um, so it's now trying to find an even balance between the two.
1: Yeah, because um, uh, what what occurred to me is should I, should I leverage gleefully or should I feel offended?
0: Yeah, and I think there's a delicate balance between those two topics, isn't there? So there's a part of me that thinks, you know, I've worked my way um, into management roles. I have the qualifications to back up exactly what it is that I need to, to do to do the job, obviously, competently. Um, and so why should I now just feel like I got the job because I was a woman and I would really love, you know, my name and my gender to be put aside and actually the qualifications and the achievements to be the front line of why I've achieved a certain position. And and I think a lot of women um, who, who are in that position, who may be leveraging off, positive discrimination would feel a little bit in that crossfire of I've worked this hard and yet all that I'm being described at, at the moment is, oh, it's nice that we see a woman in that leadership tech team, for instance. So nice. um, so it is going to be an interesting evolution um, as we move into that next phase of uh, seeing women um, in the workplace and why they were actually hired in the first place. Was it because of the qualifications and the hard work or was it just because of the profile that the business needed at that point in time? So we really need to be conscious when we are, um, you know, bringing in diversity into a business and that it is being balanced out with qualifications and the right um, the right group that we need in order to, to take that business forward.
1: And what's occurring to me is if a woman is hired um, under best practice guidelines because she is actually the best person for the role, uh, I wonder if there is still a part of her that might feel a little awkward in those beginning stages to speak up in forums, speak up in meetings, to really stand tall and and have her voice in an organisation while she's finding her feet. Because I've often sat in meetings where I can tell that women are having amazing ideas, but they don't necessarily share it. We still tend to acquiesce a little and let others go first.
0: And it's really, that's a really interesting topic. So outside of work, I do work, for a company called The Remarkable Woman. It's been rebranded to Alexa Deck. So uh, that type of work is interesting because it does really open your eyes to to how women feel in the workplace. And this is outside of, um, you know, outside of the hard work that they've done and the qualifications that they've been able to achieve, but more around that intrinsic feeling of, I don't want to say the wrong, wrong thing, and I don't want to. I don't want people to think that I I, I don't know what I'm doing. And you know, um, if I apply for that job, are people just going to look at my application and just think that's ridiculous. She's clearly not qualified. And there is this sentiment of being highly critical on themselves, um, and because of that, unfortunately, they don't put their hand up in many cases to do um, and to progress to that next level in their career. So. Some of the mentoring work that I'm doing is really encouraging women to just take a just t- give it a go. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it is about uh, ensuring that you can put your best foot forward. And if you aren't successful, that you're okay with that. And it was good practice, if anything else. So it is about just trying to encourage women to, you, you know, to put their hat in the ring and just see what, what comes out of that.
1: And I guess it's also asking us to recognize and accept that it, at different stages in our career, we will all face imposter syndrome, but then looking at the resilience and Also giving ourselves permission at times to fail forward, because perhaps we won't even fail at all, but to to dare to take the risk, not um, fall into that feeling of not feeling qualified enough. Um, I just feel that there is such an amazing um, work that is happening from that organisation that you talked about around mentoring, because... No woman has got to her position in a C seat role C suite role easily. So to be able to look over your shoulder and put a hand back and support other women along that journey, I just I really acknowledge you for that and I feel that there's so much that women, you know, can be feel tentative around, even around pain negotiation. Have you got any um, ideas for those of us out there who might be coming up with pain negotiation talks soon?
0: Yeah, there was, it is something where you do need to make yourself vulnerable and you do need to take that risk. And like you were saying, you know, um, and I would say, you will fail more than what you win. And if we can have that mindset to almost anticipate that the answer may be no, then the rejection or the acceptance will actually be much more enjoyable. And I always say to my mentees, if failure was not an outcome so let's pretend that absolutely there was no way that they were going to say no what are the things that you would have done in your career and what are the things that you would change with the decision making that you've made so far and it's amazing some of the stories that um that i'm told and some of the ambition and goals that they would have for themselves if failure was actually not an option and actually not an outcome so it's about changing our mindset and not seeing this as a setback, but actually seeing it as a way to grow, a way to build our own resilience. It's, it is character building, and how do we push ourselves forward? And it's having the courage to do that. So um, I do think it starts with the individual, and it, a mentoring program certainly is the best way for women to really voice, you know, their concerns and also to just to talk about well, what happens next. Okay, I was told no, what happens next? What other, uh, what can I do to kind of feel like I can get to the next stage? How do I face people after they've said, you're not qualified enough for this role? And it's about just leveraging off that conversation and really talking them through, um, you know, what happens next. And, you know, at the end of the day, you still have a job and guess what, you've done something different which hopefully gives them the um, ammunition to do that once again, whether it's with their current organisation or or a different one. It is about just putting yourself out there and seeing what, what comes back in return.
1: And what are you seeing in this mentoring relationship that the mentees uh, are gaining from it and just even the ability to soundboard things through so that it's a safe place to have these conversations. You know someone's got your back. You've got someone to chat to afterwards, regardless how it goes. They must just be flourishing in front of you.
0: Well, absolutely. And I have seen um, a couple of the mentees that I have been working with, you know, move themselves into an executive type, type of position. And it is just about, and what women do so well is they talk about their feelings. And I think that that's what we can really leverage off. They they will tell you about that embarrassing moment and, and how that you know they stumbled on their words, even though we had rehearsed it three or four times. And we would laugh about it. And then we would say, okay, so what really did happen? And at the end of this process, I think what we start to recognise is that we're still the same person and we are still... Uh, just as qualified. It didn't hurt us to ask the question. And in most cases, we are getting the results that we're we're looking for. So um, it is about saying, this is where I want to be in the next two years time. And if that business can't afford to offer you that position, and it is about looking elsewhere and not feeling like this is the only job for me. So it is about really opening mentees eyes that there are a lot of opportunities um, out there and there is a lot of work out there and it is about not just waiting for the right moment to fall on your lap but actually to be proactive and go out there and find what it is that you're looking for whether that's pay flexibility in the workforce whether that's position I think these things are so um, important for us firstly to define for ourselves what is it that I'm looking for And then it is about reverse engineering that, like what's the end goal and how do I get to that end goal by really coming up with some strong key milestones that we need to meet in order to get to that final position.
1: That's so key, isn't it? It makes that bridge from where you are now to where you want to be much more achievable when it's um, broken down into next steps. Absolutely,
0: it certainly is.
1: Thank you so much for your time, Bianca. I've really uh, enjoyed chatting with you this morning. It's never long enough. I already know that women are going to be wanting to um, make contact with you to find out more about your doctoral studies. I can't wait to see it once it's published. Uh, They also may want to be looking into the mentoring service. Are you able to give them uh, some ideas on how they could contact you via either of those things?
0: Yeah, so the first way they can contact me is via LinkedIn. So Bianca Lemon, they'll find me quite easily uh, via LinkedIn. A second way that they can contact us is through The Remarkable Woman. Um, you can, you can uh, Google that and you can see the different steps that you can take uh, to be a part of that program
1: wonderful and so worthy i just love meeting people who are not only forging ahead in their own careers but also giving back so thank you so much for your time and i look forward to chatting to you again soon
0: thanks for that tina
1: The topic content covered in this conversation today has me reflecting on the reason I began this podcast. It has always been really important for me to support women in my environment and also to support myself. So part of beginning this podcast was for me to reclaim my own voice and uh, be able to offer a platform for other women to share the amazing and inspiring things that they are doing in their life. And it's really good every now and then, every couple of years, to reflect, you know, is this still my mission? Is this still something that I want to do? And it definitely is. I'm meeting such an amazing gaggle of women doing amazing things, and I hope that continues. I look forward to bringing more stories to you over the coming months. Kia kaha, Christchurch.